I remember when I first got into ministry, I, I, I thought I knew a lot. And uh, it really is over the years that God humbles you. He uh, sometimes even humiliates you. But it's all for a good cause. It's all about building you up. And so some of those difficult times and some of those struggles and tears and everything else really help you become who you need to be. And, and I think there's a lot of people who maybe don't realize that going in. And so when it gets really awful, that's when they want to quit, not realizing that's exactly what God's wanting um, so that you can come out of it as a more powerful, more useful minister. The theme of Sifted is um, so huge to me because God is so true when he's, He talks about how he, hum, he, he humbles those who are proud and He exalts those who really humble themselves. And I've just seen some supernatural things over the years. God's blessing like just poured out on someone as a result of that, that type of humility that the Holy Spirit did in that person's life. And then the other side is I've seen a lot of pain of people that have gotten angry at God and or angry at spiritual leaders who are trying to help them out. And you just see this bitterness grow, even though they say it's not there or whatever, but it affects everything, not just these blessings of God, but you can see it on their faces, their, their countenance changes. It's amazing what God can do when a, a person is broken and, and humbled and uh, and the change that the Holy Spirit can, can uh, place on that person's life. But on the flip side, it's also very scary and sad what he does with those who are proud. The general rule of my life is, Jesus, I really want to be like you, and I know I cannot be like you unless I go through some of these difficult times, unless I am tried. And uh, we may have to deal with some issues, but we believe when we come out the other side, we're going to be that much closer to the Lord and that much more effective for ministry. Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Steven. So great to have you here. God is up to some awesome things at the awakening. And if you're joining us this morning here live, we're starting a brand new series called Sifted. So I just want to invite you to just press in. Um, it, this is going to be a powerful series. Also, for those of you who are joining us online, we just want to say aloha all the way from Hawaii, all across the mainland, U.S., Alaska, to the East Coast. We want to say you're welcome. We love you guys. We're thinking of praying for you. And then also, we just wanted to, we, we just wanted to really press into a series right now. Where we would take a look at what it means to have seasons in our life where we're sifted. Now, how many of you feel like, you know, just you know what that term means uh, off the bat? No, raise your hands. You know what sifted is. Okay, well, sifted is a term that is used in the Bible when you're using grain, that you take the grain and you put it in like a, a pile and you kind of rub the grain together or you can put it even on like a washboard type thing and rub your hands over it and it kind of separates the chaff from the grain because you can't eat that. It's like, it's like eating... Um, uh, popcorn with the seed, you know how the seed gets stuck in your mouth when you're eating popcorn, you're like, dang, I gotta get a toothpick, I gotta, I gotta get some floss, I gotta get that kernel out of my mouth. Well, that's the chaff over the grain, and you have to remove that off the grain, and in order to do that, you have to 
You have to press it. You have to put pressure on it. You have to shake it around, stir it up. And then when the wind blows, you throw it in the air and the wind removes the chaff from the grain. It's sifted away and thrown, into, th- thrown away or put into waste. Um, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about sifted. And even though we can sift grain, a person's life can be sifted as well. And I believe that many of us, if we haven't already experienced a sifting moment in our lives, we will experience at one point or another in our life where we're really, literally rocked to the core and God just rocks our world through really, really tough times and suffering. Um, I remember one particular point in my life, there's been, a, there's been two or three major siftings in my life. And I remember being in Hawaii at YWAM in, in Paia, at the base there, that old chapel, and being around a bunch of these rambunctious YWAMers or Pentecostal and speaking in tongues and doing crazy stuff. And I was like, whoa, calm down. I just wanted to go surfing, you know. Uh, and just, you know, being in a, in a point in my life where God tackled me in just an awesome, awesome, loving way. And I came to a point where I realized that my life without Christ was pointless. It was meaningless. And so I came to a point in my life where I died to the old Stephen. He was put to death. I died to the old Stephen, and I was reborn again, a new person that was fully surrendered to God. And that was amazing. It was an amazing point because it was like if you're a family and you have a brand new baby born baby, and you're just holding it in your arms, and it's just so beautiful, it's just so precious, and that's what like, life is when you're a new believer, and that's what it, was, it felt like. It just felt new beginnings, a freshness. I felt like love that I never felt before. All that hate I had, it was just mysteriously gone, um, and I just, I couldn't believe it. Life was too good to be true, and I knew people had told me that, you know, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that everything's going to be rosy. I've heard them say it. Yeah, there'll be times, you you know, just just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that catastrophe doesn't happen, doesn't mean that everything's going to work out perfect. I heard them say that, but I never really experienced being rocked. And so people, after I got saved, people started coming up to me and saying, Stephen, we believe you're called to be in ministry, right? And I was like, no, run, run, right? Because my, my parents were uh, mission aviation. They were, uh, they were bush pilots in Africa. And so they're missionaries, and they flew supplies around and sick people and doctors. And so w- when I thought of ministry, I thought of serving God, I thought I had that, this picture of, you know, being in a mud hut somewhere in the middle of nowhere with a bad rash and no money. And, you know, because the first part of our lives, we grew up very poor because my dad had a late start in his career because they were in mission work. And so I was like, I'm never going to do it. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be wealthy. I don't want that life. And so I knew that when you get into ministry, that there's sacrifice, that there's, there can be hard times. And so I was like, run away, <laughs> like Jonah, just running from God, running from God. And you know, God can have a calling on I, I, I knew when, when people would say it, they'd say, Stephen, you're called to be evangelist, the pastor. I knew it. And I was like, I was like, Jonah, right? 
running away from Nineveh, jumping on the ship. And I tell you what, when you do that, God may send a season of sifting on you that'll rock you to your core. And for me, that point in my life was brand new baby Christian. That point in my life was a relationship. It came, that big whale came and swallowed me up whole in the form of a relationship. And I, boy, was I swallowed up whole. I, you know, went against all the advice of people around me. This person was supposedly a Christian person. I got deeply involved in this relationship. And only to find out that this person wasn't a believer. In fact, they were on drugs. They were dabbling in prostitution. They were all kinds of crazy. She, she was all kinds of shades of crazy. Uh, you know, there's a little bipolar, a little schizophrenia, stuff like that. But it was a gnarly, gnarly time because it would be just amazing for the first week and then uh, something would happen, something traumatic. And it would just be like, that's absolutely crazy, but like, okay, I'm sorry. And then it would happen, like, you know, every, another two weeks later, it would, something else would happen and, and, and there would be an argument and it would just be crazy. And I'd be like, where did you get that? But, oh, okay, I, I'm sorry, you know. And then it would happen more and more frequently. It would start happening every few days and where it would got violent. It got physically violent. And I don't know if you ever heard of some chicks that like beating some dudes. Well, this girl, she liked, she liked abusing some, some guys, right? So, um, but I was raised never to hit a girl, so I just took it. And, and she would, like, hold bottles to my head. She would punch me in the back of the head while I was driving on the highway. I was a brand-new Christian. I just thought, hey, she loves God. That's all I need, right? And here I am getting beat in the back of the head on the highway, nearly, nearly having a, a full-on blowout in the highway, and then going to church, like, because I'm desperate, and I'm getting beat up in the church parking lot. Are you, can you imagine that? The pastor's surprised sit up front like, what the heck? I mean, you see some things as a, as a pastor. I mean, you know, people getting beat up in the parking lot. So, um, but anyway, so, man, the thing is about that relationship was I felt like my spirit was being crushed. I lost like 40 pounds. I, I, I lost hope. I, I thought, man, I... I I wanted to fix this relationship. I felt trapped. I felt like maybe I was a little crazy. Maybe I was not seeing things the way they were supposed to, you know, like I would try to get counseling, but we couldn't go to counseling. It was just, and then finally I went to, I went to her mom's house and the mom says to me one day, she says, Stephen, you need to leave my daughter because I don't want your blood on my hands. She was for real. She knew. And I really believe if I had stayed in that relationship, that I'd, I'd likely be dead. Um, it's just one of those things where I just, I felt like I needed to commit and stay in it, stay in it. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to cry out to God and, and call on Him and, you know, He'll, he'll answer you. I, I know it's just kind of trivial, but I had a um, coin in my pocket, because I was so broken, um, you know, it was a night where I made a cake for her for her birthday, and she just flipped out because I made a comment about something, and the cake was all over the ceiling, all over the walls, 
And she's like, you know, if you're going to treat me this way, I might as well just go and get treated this way at the strip club. So she was getting packed up, ready to go to the strip club, and I'm just like broken because I love this person. Just imagine your heart getting ripped in a million pieces. And I, I took a coin, and I said, God, because, you know, I had her mom say that, and that just hit me hard. And I was like, I need you to speak to me. And I'm going to flip a coin, and I know this is crazy, but if you want me to leave this person, have it land on t- tails. If, if, if you want me to fix this, if you want me to put everything into this relationship, get counseling, fight for it, I'll do it. I'll be obedient to you. Let it be heads. I flipped it, and it landed, the coin landed, and I looked, and it was tails. But it was not the tails that your typical eagle, you know, quarterback in the day when they used to have the eagle. The tail was a state motto from New Hampshire, which says, live free or die. And I was like, thus saith the Lord. And I went and I left. Now, that moment in time wasn't just for this, oh, I heard, learned all kinds of lessons. I, I learned all kinds of things. And if you would ask me today, would I take it back? I'd say, no, do not take that away from me. Because in all of that suffering and being sifted, I received precious wisdom, precious knowledge that I can use to help other people through hard times. I never take that back. But do you know what happened in that season of sifting? God was saying, Stephen, you love me? Yeah, you know I love you. And feed my sheep. Stephen, you love me? More than anything else? Yeah, Lord, I love you. And feed my sheep. And he said that to me three times, and I wasn't really that much into, like, Scripture enough to know that he had that same conversation with, with Peter. And then that day I was reading that verse, and I was like, whoa, I got chicken skin. I was like, that calling is coming. That calling, and in the midst of that sifting, God gave me a calling on my life. He gave me a calling to be here and doing what I'm doing now. And if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be chasing after my own dreams. Yeah, I'd be saved, but I'd be making money, and that's my main goal. That's what I thought would, be happy, would make me happy. But I, I received a calling in that. I received more than just some precious wisdom or knowledge. I received direction on what it is I'm meant to do with the rest of my life. Now, many of us haven't... Uh, who haven't already experienced sifting. How many of you have gone through a sifting experience, like major, okay? <laughs> All right. You know, you know it is not fun. It is not fun. And, um, but if you haven't already, I guarantee you, with, along with death and taxes, that you will experience seasons of sifting. You know, it's funny how when we really just, we start, for the first time, really submitting our marriage to Christ and try to make it a priority, try to bring the family to church. And then all of a sudden, boom, Satan comes in and now the marriage is like, it's like a snowballing out of control. You know why that is, by the way, right? Because you're, you're onto something good. And the enemy's scared. And so he's trying to sift you. You know, maybe you're for the first time, you're like, you know what, God, I want to honor you with my finances. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to do all those things. I'm going to start saving. I'm going to start fight, fighting to get out of debt. And then everything's going well, but then all of a sudden, boom, you're hit with something. And it feels like, dude, I'm trying to do the right thing here, but now I'm going through 
something big here financially. Or maybe you decided that you're going to follow Jesus with all your heart. You gave him your life. You surrendered to him in the Easter service or uh, at some point here at the church and you're pressing in and, and then you lose a loved one. You thought, maybe this is going to help me in my life. Maybe I'm going to get better because of this. And now you're in the middle of losing someone you love and you're like, wow, this is hard. Am I, am I doing the right thing? Does this Christian thing really work? Maybe you're pursuing sexual purity and you're pressing hard, really, really working hard and doing all the things you can do to put measures in place to make sure you're being pure. And then out of nowhere comes a whirlwind, comes a heat-sinking missile, and now you're just discouraged. You're looking at losing some, some major things because you're in a season of sifting right now. You know, I, I got to tell you this morning, you can be doing everything right. Like Job. Everything right. You can be good enough, be praying to God every day for everybody around you, not sinning, but then, boom! Sift it. That's the reality of this life. And that's what I want to talk to you about, about, talk to you about this month. But before we get dive in too deeply, I want to do something. I want to pray. I want to invite the Holy Spirit here because I, feel, I believe that God has some, some powerful truths to, for you to just soak in this morning and use as tools in the midst of sifting. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the beauty, the sun that's shining and the nice cool air from the trade, Lord. We just thank you that we get to live Maui and um, we just thank you for all the people who are part of this church, this family that we have. Um, we pray that your love would just permeate every corner of this room and people can sense it when they walk in. And Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would just rest on us and you would speak through me, Lord, in a way that hearts would be transformed, Lord, that life change would happen. That would just go in the ear and out the other, but it would actually penetrate the heart and people would say, I am going to make a change in my life. And Lord, we thank you for all you're doing and Jesus precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, we're going to open up your word, all right, to Luke chapter 22. For those of you who don't have a Bible with you, you actually have one right in your pocket. It's called your smartphone. And on there, you can download the Awakening free app. It has God's word on it. You got messages. You can give all kinds of cool things, ways you can stay in touch with us. Um, also, if you just prefer a physical book that you can underline and keep and drag along with you, we have some free custom Awakening Bibles in the back, we'd like you to take home with you, take and give to somebody who needs to know God, invite them to church, say, hey, this is for you, come to church with me next Sunday. You know, whatever you need to do, those are there to bless you. Um, but we're going to open up to Luke chapter 22, and we're talking about a time here where the disciples are being trained up and they're following Jesus, and they're getting to kind of like a crucial point where Jesus is about to go away to be crucified, to go and willingly lay himself down on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could have freedom from sin, that we could have, um, that we could have eternal life. And so he's talking to his disciples, talking through what's going to happen and, you know, who's going to do what and, you know, 
some of the disciples are like, we'll never betray you. We'll never walk away from you. We'll never leave you. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, you're going to do this. And, oh, yeah, somebody's going to betray me. And he's talking to them, and he's like, listen, I need to tell you some important things because I'm about to go away for a little bit. And he's talking to Peter. Peter's talking about, hey, uh, you know, Jesus is saying to him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. And, and then Jesus says to, to Peter, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32, this is the main, this is the main uh, scripture for this month that I want you to memorize. I want you to put your heart, put it on your, your refrigerator door, put it in your car on a sticky note. But this is what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. You know, if Jesus was praying for me, you know what I would want him to pray for? I would want him to pray that Satan couldn't touch me. Keep me away from that juju. I, have, I do not want anything to do with that. Keep me out of danger. Put your angels around me to lift me up so I don't even bump my foot against the stone. I want God's protection. That's what I want you to pray for me, Jesus. But no, Jesus' prayer was that through the sifting that their faith wouldn't fail. I, I got to tell you that that's not too reassuring <laughs> but like, Satan wants to sift you, but I pray that your faith won't fail. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Pray for me that I don't have to go sifting, right? But we need to remember that sifting things happen all throughout the history of the Bible, right? David's training was in the desert caves, he had everybody known on earth was after him, trying to kill him, including his own people. And the, the, the sitting king, even after David was anointed to be the new king, was out to get him, was hunting for him. Joseph, his training was in the prisons of Egypt, being a slave. Moses, he was humbled. He, got, he, he, he ran away from Egypt because of a murder he committed. And he... He was humbled through years of being a shepherd, 40 years of being a shepherd. Jacob was oppressed by his uncle, uncle Laban for 14 years. But each of these leaders, when faced with a difficult challenge, each had the opportunity to let their faith fail. But they didn't give up. It may have been messy, some of these stories are messy, and the things they did were messy, but they didn't give up. David, as a result, became the greatest king in the nation of Israel. Joseph became second in command of an entire nation of Egypt, one of the most dominant nations in that time. Jacob became the father of 12 tribes and paved the path to Jesus. So it's awesome to see what comes out of the sifting. So the first thing that I would like to just chew on a little bit is what do you do when the sifting begins? What do we do? 
What do we do? Whenever you undertake something big in your life, maybe it's your being obedient to something God's called you to do, I want to tell you that there's going to be some sifting involved in that. If the goal of sifting for Satan is to get your faith to fail, then we should, above all else, guard the source of our faith, which is our heart. It's our heart. That's the engine of holding on to hope. Is your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it what? It determines the course of your life. See, out of your heart comes the faith you need to overcome. Your heart is like a rudder, a tiny rudder that guides an entire massive ship of your life. It determines the destiny of your life. If you lose your rudder, you're going to be wandering aimlessly. No matter how much gas you put on, how much throttle you put on, you will be running aimlessly. You will be shipwrecking and reefs. You're going somewhere without purpose. So you have to guard your heart. In sports, they talk about how certain people play with heart. Do you have a favorite athlete? You just see, man, that guy's got heart. He fights, man. He just never gives a tenacious. Right? Who, who's your favorite one? You, who do you feel like has heart? One of your favorite athletes. Just popcorn it out. Who? who? Back in the day. Okay, all right. Who else? Come on. Who's got heart? Dennis Rodman's got heart. He's got heart. No, 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 but that's true. Man, he may be uh, un, unconventional, but the guy has got heart. He's a wild card. He fights. He gets in there and he gets in brawls and stirs stuff up, right? And the other team hates it. That's right, Dennis Rodman. Good one, Ruben. Yeah. He's got heart. What is your life without heart? Your life without heart? You give up on your marriage. You give up on the church. You give up on being debt-free and out of bondage. You resign yourself to mediocrity. You resign yourself to self-pity. You resign yourself to being alone, being discouraged, being hopeless. That's life without heart. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. You see, he may have the ability to sift you for a season, but if he can break your heart, he can send you spinning for a lifetime. If he can take your heart, if he can come after that, man. But you fight. You fight. You have to have faith. You could be doing exactly what God's called you to do and still get sifted. You may be thinking, man, did I misread God's call? Did I get this right? Am I on the right track? Because this is not working. But what if God is actually calling you to walk through something very difficult? What if God is calling you to press through it 
and be in it. Luke chapter 22. Again, let's take a look at this again in depth. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has what? Asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So what? So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I'd like to point out that in verse 32, Jesus doesn't refer to the sifting process as if it happens. No. What does he say? When? When? He's like, he's like, you're guaranteed to get some sifting. Get your sift on. All right? So we're guaranteed to have some seasons of sifting no matter who we are, what we do. Another important thing to realize about this verse is Satan cannot sift you without God's permission. You see that? At the top, Satan has asked. He didn't tell God, yo, God, I'm going to go attack yo over that guy over there. No, no. He's asking permission. And Satan won't be able to do something or anything to you without God saying, okay, this is what I want. Some of you are like, whoa, calm down there, Stephen. What are you saying, that God gives the okay for the hit on you? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think the answer is yes. What if God is allowing you to be going through sifting for a reason? What if God is allow sifting to help you be strengthened? You're put in a refiner's fire for the metal to be purified, to be stronger, impurities are removed, or the gold is refined and the impurities are removed, it's more precious. What if he's allowing you to go through the furnace so that you could be strong? So that in turn, you can go and what? Strengthen your brothers. Every time I've been through some sifting, I'm like, yep, I know why you're doing this. Because I'm going to be more effective. I'm going to be more powerful. I'm going to be able to preach more uh, applicably to people's lives. God, you're going to do something. You're going to redeem this. It's kind of like, God, uh, maybe I'm like a little oyster in the bottom of the ocean, and you reach down and you put this sharp, gadget piece of sand in my belly, and it's sharp. It's ripping the inside of me, and, and it hurts. It's painful, but over the years and through that pain and suffering, there's layers of pearl being formed. And then out of it, is this precious gift. Out of the suffering, God is intentionally bringing out of me something beautiful. But Stephen, Pastor Stephen, I thought following Christ is about God protecting me from the hard times. Really? Yeah. He's going to protect you so you don't get taken out. But he's not going to guard you from all of it. And see, he guarantees them. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things. This is is, uh, what Jesus says. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? You will have trouble. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say trouble. Yeah. But take what? Take heart. Don't lose it. Don't lose your faith. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is like, I'm enough. When you're going, 
through a season of sifting, I'm enough. When you're discouraged and you're losing hope, I'm enough. When your marriage is not working out, I am enough. When you feel like you just can't get away from a relationship that's harmful, Jesus is saying to you, I am enough. Take heart. You will have trouble, but I will help you through it. Right? In this life, you must expect trouble. You will fail because God has a gift for you, a promise that can only, listen, write this down, that can only be acquired through failure. It doesn't come with success. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself this morning. Thank you, Jesus. If God wanted to make things easy for us, he would have done it. He'd just say, oh, easy button, easy, bang. You know, like the Office Max or Office Depot, right? He just pressed the easy button. But he didn't. Again, Jesus is praying for his disciples. I love how he does it. He's just praying for them over and over again. In John chapter 17, verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Notice Jesus did not pray that his disciples would be removed from challenging situations. No, he said, don't take them out, but protect them from crossing that line where they've lost heart. His prayer is that we don't throw in the towel and give in to an affair. His prayer that we don't have a drug overdose because we've lost hope and we're trying to numb the pain. His prayer is that we don't brashly end our marriage because we need to feel released from the responsibilities of what we're called to do. But here's the thing. I, I want to, this is a big point. I want you to write it down. But God must be first. God must, I'm sorry, God must first accomplish something in you. Right? God must first accomplish something in you before he can accomplish something through you. Write that down. God must first accomplish something in you, in your heart, before he can accomplish something through you. It's kind of like that saying where it's like God has already prepared a blessing for you. He's just preparing you for the blessing. Does that make sense? So, he, 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 you know, God has to do something inside of you before he can do anything through you, right? So what do you do when the sifting begins? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. God needs to do something in you before he can do it through you. Now, as you're being sifted, you need to think about something. Here, here's a truth that just really hit me. There are three greatest days of your life. There's the three greatest days of your life that will carry you through sifting, all right? The first day is, write this one down, is the day you were born again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Been born again. We have, we're in heaven. Praise God. But it doesn't stop there. Number two is the second greatest, is the day you discovered what you were born again for. Why was I saved? Why did Jesus save me? Is it just so I can get in heaven, like, God, like the skin of my teeth? <laughs> You are barely in safe. You accepted Jesus, but that's all you did. You're a bad, bad, bad person. No, but um, yeah, you, the day you discovered what you were born again for is it's your calling. Kind of like what I was talking about when I, went, I did not, when I got sifted through that relationship. I discovered, I had like aha moment, like bing, the light bulb went off. I discovered my calling. 
And thirdly, is that to say the, the day you decide that nothing will stop you from getting it, you're determined to fight, you're being sifted, but I don't care. I know I'm Jesus, I belong to, I'm sorry, I know I'm Jesus' child, uh, I belong to him, I have surrendered to him, I, I, I know what my call is, and not only do I know what my call is, but I'm going to fight for it, all right? The three greatest days. Sometimes you can be born again, and, and you can know your calling, but you can be so discouraged from the sifting process that you just resign yourself to, to float around aimlessly in the ocean without a rudder. Sometimes we just need to pick up our heart and fight. Get like Dennis Rodman up in here. Get a little crazy, right? <laughs> Start throwing elbows and, free and rebounding and turning the tide of the game because we're fighters. Now, discovering and accepting your calling is an important marker of your surrender to God because that's the next big thing after you, after you give your heart to Jesus. And it's one of the keys to not losing heart. And here is why I say that. Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to what? Confirm your calling. They're not just, hey, those who feel like they're led to ministry. No, he's talking about all y'all, all the brothers and sisters up in here, all right? Make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things, you will what? Never stumble. Well, yeah, you'd be sifted maybe, but you're not going to fall over that line, that red line where you've lost everything. You'll be able to press on. You'll be able to fight. You'll be able to have heart and press through things. When you know what it is you're supposed to do, you will not easily quit if you have something to live for. You know that most men, when they retire, what they do after that, usually kill over and die, statistically, pretty quickly after they retire. Why? Because there's a, a loss of purpose, a loss of meaning in life. Well, what am I here for? What, what do I have to stick around for? There's not much, apparently. So they die. What about suicide? If you ever thought about suicide, I'm sure there's been one or two times where said, shoot, I can't do this because I have so-and-so to look out for. I'm responsible for someone. I have something to do. So even though I want to check out, I'm going to hang in there because that person needs me. I don't know how many people have stepped away from suicide just because they had a child or a relationship or something, somebody who needed them. It's so important it's so important to have purpose, a calling in this life because it'll push you through times when you want to give up. So, ask God what your calling is. If you're already saved, this is something that you need to be asking God. God, what do you want me to do with my faith? What have you wired me up to do? If, if, do I have some kind of musical gift? Am I good with money? Am I, am I outgoing personality? Can I... Lead a small group. What do you, God, what do you want me to do with this life? Because it's not just to make money and provide for the family. That's great and all. But there's something that you're called here to do. And, and you know what? I'll give you a little advice. So ask God. Ask him. And you know what? He may have someone like Pastor Steve coming to you and say, Hey, would you lead a small group? Like, well, I don't know if I'm called to that. 
Let me give you some advice when it comes to calling. You need to figure it out. You need to find out what works for you. Even if you do, like let's say I was called a ministry. Well, I don't know what kind of ministry that is. Is that like a missionary flying a bush pilot or is that a youth pastor or is that like an executive pastor? Is that just somebody who leads a small group? Or, you know, what is it? I had to find that. I had to find out what I'm good at. So when various calls come your way, somebody says, hey, what do you think about this, doing this, serving God in this way, serving in the church this way? My encouragement to you is to pray and wait on God. And here's what I want you to do. After you've prayed, if you haven't got a clear no from God, say yes. Say yes. Why? Well, because if you say no before you actually talk to God about it and really get a clear answer from Him, then you'll lost the opportunity to discover something that maybe you're not good at or something that you are good at. And at the end of it, you'll be all the wiser for it. It's not going to hurt you. So if you don't have a definite no, say yes. I like that because I'm going to come up to you, a few of you after this message and be like, will you do this? I'm like, just say yes. <laughs> All right? But if you clear no, you just, you, here, you know, in, in, in Hawaiian culture, it's very difficult for people over here to say no. It's okay to tell Pastor Stephen no. Okay? I'm not going to go home and cry. I'm not going to lay down on the ground and get in a fetal position. If you're feeling like God's saying, nope, that's not it, just tell me. I like that, okay? <laughs> Have you ever done that, though, with someone here on the island? Just invite them to a party. Yeah, come on to the party. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. And they don't come. <laughs> oh, I'll show up for this meeting. Oh, they don't show up. Just say no. Just tell me no. I'm, I'm okay with that. I can handle rejection, right? This is such a rabbit trail. Okay, I'm going to get off it. But um, Now, if you have been born again and you know what God's calling is in your life already, and you're going through a season of sifting, and maybe you lost your rudder, well, I'm telling you this morning to get it back. Fight. Get some heart. Push through this because God's going to bless you with something. He's giving you a precious gift. So start asking God, God, what are you trying to teach me in this? I'm not going through this for no reason. There's obviously a reason. I want you to show me what it is. And I want you to show me a way of escape. I want you to show me how to get through this. Because it's not meant to last forever. You need to fight through the sifting. Is it possible that God isn't calling you to quit just yet? Don't mistake a season of sifting as a sign that God wants you to stop. Just because it's hard, unless you get a definite no, close the door, run away, leave, quit your job, Fight through it. So, what do you do when the sifting begins? Guard your heart. The three greatest days in your life that will carry you through your sifting, the day you were born again, the day you discovered what you were born again for, and the day you decided that nothing will stop you from getting it. Get a little Dennis Rodman up here. All right. See, God must do something in your heart, inside of you before he can do something through you. All right, the, the final thing that I would like to talk to you about as you're going through sifting is to cry out to God. Cry out to God. If you're in, like, you know, the Bruce Willis kind of uh, realm of things where you don't hug your family member or you don't cry because it's just not what men do, 
Real men cry out to God. When you're going through some stuff. Paul was talking about he'd been through some stuff. And he'd, man, he'd cried out to God. Talk about a man who suffered, who sifted over and over again. Paul's a guy. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. This is what he said. He said, my, my, this is what he's thinking about God and, and what God says of Paul. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast, this is Paul speaking now, about my weakness so that the what? The power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles and, uh, that I, tr- I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm what? Then I'm strong. So I feel like I need to speak a little word of knowledge this morning to someone here. God, I'm already probably tapping you in the shoulder right now because your heart's getting ready. You're like, oh, this is me. I know it. God says to you, the reason that I cannot be strong for you is that you refuse to be weak. Who am I talking to this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. You're being too strong. Trying to hold up that face of like, Oh, I make it through this. I'm strong. So just cry out to God. Don't blame anyone else. Don't play the victim card. Don't Don't make excuses. Don't suck it up and try harder. Cry out to God. Cry out to Him. Jesus did it, and He was God in human form. He's crying out. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, while Jesus was here on earth, He offered prayers and bleedings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. He cried out, pleadings, tears. If I told you I could give you four words that would start a miracle in your life, would anybody be interested to know what they are? Four words. Ready? Will you help me? Will you help me? I don't know how many times in my life that big things happened when I said to people around me, will you help me? God, will you help me? Hey, brother so-and-so, I'm going through this. Will you help me? Hey, I'm struggling with this addiction. Will you help me? Powerful words. And God will give you a miracle if you just ask, right? Ask and you shall receive. It's truth, right? Plead with God. I was in the car the other day driving to Lahaina. I'm just like pleading with God for this church, pleading with God for my family, say to my family, pleading with God for, for just him to rock my world, pleading with God for me to be able to... to to be faithful, to stay the course to the big things God's called me, pleading in the blood of Jesus over all of you guys, praying for you, pleading with him for you. Oh, just going off in my car. You guys would have think I was nuts if you would have like, been in there. Um, but yeah, God has to do something in our heart, in our heart, before he can do something through our heart. Okay? So, what's your assignment? 
when you're sifted. If you're not being sifted right now, well, write this down because you will. But if you're in it right now, what I want you to do is I want you to encourage yourself. I want to encourage yourself. Like what Dennis Rodman probably does to get himself pumped up, to get wild. But probably, I wonder what the thoughts going through his head would be. Get, get that mindset. Encourage yourself. Kind of like what King David did when he lost. I mean, he was in a cave running from people, and then uh, some tribe came and took all the women and children while they were gone. And they're sitting there depressed, crying, and all the David's men were coming and saying, like, get, get ready to stone David to death. They were not ready to kill him as their leader because, like, they just lost everything. You know what David did? He went and encouraged himself. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the peoples spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were aggrieved. But David what? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. I like these King James versions. He spake. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. But he encouraged himself. Sometimes when you're being sifted, you know the things you ought to do to get yourself encouraged. Man, if it's going up the Eo Valley and dunking yourself in the cold water of that river so you can feel alive again in the walk, whatever it takes, if it's going to hang out with a certain family member, hang out with them. Be encouraged. Go see a comedy. Get yourself laughing again. Open up your Bible. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Cry out to Him. Ask Him, God, will you help me? Will you, get, will you help me get my heart back? Will you help me get my rudder back? I'm kind of aimlessly going out here. Help me. You know how David did that? He sat there and he said, self, be encouraged. Right? Foot, feet, take that next step forward. Heart, slow down. Let God's peace rest on you. Mind, stop going nuts. You've been up until four in the morning because you are not letting go. Mind, be at peace. Dive into the peace that surpasses all understanding. No more monkeys jumping from tree branch to tree branch. Stop it. Lord, I'm not going to think about this drama and this mess. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my mother or my father. I thank you for my, my church. Oh, I'm starting to feel better. Lord, I thank you for um, just that I live in Hawaii. I can go to the beach and eat. Oh, that's so, I got that barrel last week. Lord, that, thank you. Oh, I'm starting to feel better. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Fight. Push through it. God's going to be there. He's going to help you. There will be trouble. But you can do it. You can make it. And out of it has come a precious gift. Don't you doubt it. Don't you let go of it. It's on the horizon. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You may be going out to the fields weeping, but joy comes in the morning. Okay? We're going to 
close in worship, and we're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord. That's what we do when we worship. We praise Him while we're on the steps of being sifted. We praise Him, and you know what? It gives us courage. Before Israel would go into battle, they would put the worship in the front. Because it would encourage them. In World War II, the Scots, before they went to Normandy, you know what they would have lead the march? A bagpiper. <laughs> I was reading it the other day on Facebook. Yeah, the bagpipes. And all the Scottish right. Ah! You know, they like Braveheart on the freaking Normandy, you know. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Worship is part of that. We're going to do that. But before we do, we're going to pray because, you know, some of us are being rocked right now. Some of us are about to enter into a season of sifting. Some of us are just on the tail end of coming out of one, and we're like, praise God. But we're going to need help. We're going to... We need to cry out to God. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to cry out. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just the, the, the reassurance that, you know what, I'm not a failure. We're not failures. That when we're in trouble, it's not because we've done something wrong, Lord, but it's because you're doing something in us in order that you could one day do something big through us. So we thank you. Lord, for those of us who are currently in the sifting process, oh, blood of Jesus over them, Lord, I just pray your, your peace, Lord. I pray that you would just give them heart, Lord. It, it, you know what? If you're, if you're in here this morning and you're going through a season of sifting, would you be courageous without anybody looking out, your heads bowed, eyes closed? Would you say, you know what, Stephen? I need prayer. I'm going through sifting right now. Would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. I see your hands. Heavenly Father, thank you for these, uh, just your children here who are just saying, hey, I'm in it. Lord, in this moment, we cry out to you collectively. We ask, will you help us? Will you help me? Help us to not lose our heart. Help us keep our faith from failing. Lord, give us a fight that we don't know where it came from, but we're like, wow, I'm going to be Dennis Rodman on this. Lord, we thank you for the precious gift you're giving us through this sifting. We know that it's for a purpose, for a reason. There's nothing wrong or crazy about us. We understand that we could do everything right, but you still could allow sifting to happen to us. We thank you for not allowing anything to happen, that you protected us that you haven't, uh, that we're not dead. Because some of us ought to be dead. And your hand of protection was over us. And you protected us. So we thank you for that. And for those of us who are about to be going into a season of sifting, don't even know it yet, Lord, have mercy on them. We pray for them that their faith would not fail. And for those of us who have come out of a season of sifting, if you're in here, that's you this morning. Courageous, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you real quick? Anybody? I'm raising my hand. God bless you. I'm just going to pray for you because I know that you're about to realize a season of growth and a precious gift that you will get. A, you're, you've been humbled. <laughs> you have been humbled, and God is about to rock your world with so much blessing 
He's going to give back to you uh, the years that the enemy has stolen. And I just pray you're ready for the blessing. And so, Lord, I just pray for those who raise their hand. Because, God, you're so good. And there's a reason why we go through what we go through. We thank you and praise you. If you're in here this morning as well and you're just saying, man, I've never been born again. I, I haven't given my heart to Jesus. I haven't surrendered my life to him. And I'd like to do that. Well, it's simple. You say a simple prayer. And you can just follow after me. Say some uh, words that you're, you're talking to God. He hears you. And you, if everybody can say this out loud together with me, you just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Oh, forgive me. I believe you died for me. But you didn't just die. You rose from the dead. And you conquered death so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I want you to be Lord of my life. Come in my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. Continue to pray with my heads bowed, eyes closed. If you said that prayer for the first time, you know what? I just want to let you know you've been born again. God is doing a work with you. Some of you said that prayer as a rededication. Saying, hey, I've been off track, but I said that prayer this morning because I want to get things on track with God. If you made that prayer for the first time or you rededicated your life without anybody looking around, eyes closed, heads back, would you raise your hand? Would you be courageous this morning so I can pray for you? God bless you. Awesome. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the lives that have been touched this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray that you would help us to not lose faith, not lose heart. Thank you for what you're doing at the awakening. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said?